0: Well, hello and welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. How good it is to be back with you. Just want to wish you a good day, a good morning, or a good evening wherever you're at, or whatever time you're listening. And I just, again, you know, just want to thank you so much for joining me in this. This is the greatest pastime that we can have. The Word of God is not just a good read, the Word of God is, is, is the best thing that we could be getting ourselves into because there's great books out there, there's, there's great biographies and autobiographies, and, and they do lots of things, but nothing transforms lives, nothing saves lives, and better yet, saves souls better than that of the Word of God. And so, even in the book of Leviticus, which you know may have a lot to do with things that we don't always like or pertain to in our lives today, it is the Word of God, and we do bring it into our lives today. We do bring it into things today that, that still consist. So again, rightly dividing and rightly teaching it for what it's saying is, is vital. And so again, I just want to say thank you you know, God bless anybody that wants to 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 thrive after God's word and, and in those books that nobody wants to that nobody wants to read, you know. And so I've been excited, you know, to teach the book of Leviticus because you know, there's certain books that I've never tackled in the in the realm of teaching yet. And so for me it was a big thing to be able to teach those books. I've studied them you know, I've heard them taught before, you know, and so on and so forth. Or maybe I've taught, like, particular chapters or certain things out of these. But but to accomplish the teaching of a full-on book, you know, it really brings into things to a new light. And so I, I pray to God that, that a new light is brought into your life by what you hear. And, and so, you know, when we look at today, we're in chapter 24 of Leviticus, and last week we dealt with chapter 23, and in, in, in chapter 23 were in the regards of that of, of special days, uh, of, of rejoicing, if you will. Chapter 25 will be, uh, we'll be dealing with that of, of things in, of special years, right, the refreshing stuff. But uh, t- chapter 24, we're right in the middle here of, of something that not everybody likes to hear about, laws, and, and laws put into action. But it's interesting how how Moses wrote this because, again, you know, it's very – I guess if you were to put it in a way, I guess Moses was really just writing with accuracy. You know, if you're like a court reporter, you're jotting down everything that's being said in the way it's being said. You you can't – there's no editing, okay? And so – and this almost looks like it, there, there wasn't like a form of editing. It was almost like Moses was, again, hearing the words of God and writing down in the form of, of how it was put. Because it goes from one thing to the other. And even in each chapter, it kind of does that. So, you know, we're looking at the laws put into action today in chapter 24. And to the Jew, the law was, the, was, was it. You know, that was the, that was the thing. But nobody likes laws unless it actually helps them, right? The laws were there to to protect, to prevent, and to show what to do and what not to do. The laws are like those things that, that allow you to move around freely in what must be done and how they must be done. Because there are certain countries in this world of ours that are considered lawless. And trust me, you don't want to live there. So... Even people that don't like laws uh, appreciate the things that are put in that protect us. But we don't always follow those laws, right? So, but again, the laws of God are perfect. But we're going to get into some not just some some practical aspects of laws, but theological aspects of laws that turned into practical aspects of laws. And therefore, we're going to see what, why, and how God did what he did, said what he said, and wants what he wants. Amen. So let's jump into this. Leviticus chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 first. And this has to do with light. And that's something that holds very dear to me. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light. To make the lamps burn continually outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstands before the Lord continually. So here we have Aaron, the brother of Moses. The head of the priesthood, if you will. And so... The pure oil is what they used, you know, olive oil. Eh, Gosh, olive oil is so precious, you know. It's it's so healthy for us, you know. We use it for cooking. We use it for other things as well. We use it for anointing. You know, they would anoint the priests. They would anoint the kings uh, when they were raised up. They would pour the olive oil over the head. And the olive oil is always like a representation of the Holy Spirit, which is a perfect fit because they use the olive oil in the lamps and these lamps were of gold they had to be of gold and, and so gold was also like a representation of that of heaven and, and so i i see the fitting ways of god the designs if you will you know and, and so it had to be it had to be pure olive oil like the extra virgin olive oil the best that you can use the best that you could take and so they would use that as, as the thing that kept it light. So he was he was in charge. Aaron was in charge as the priest. And, and so that was the thing. They, that's what they had to use. It was their responsibility. You know, as, as a pastor teacher, I myself, to an extent, maybe not from a literal term of filling a lamp oil, but you and I are called to be the light. See, the lamps had to be continually lit because the lamp was was a representation of Israel, and Israel was a representation of the light in the area. They were to be the light of the world, right, in that area. That's why they were. That's why they were to keep it um, uh, burning at all times. And so, I, I've said the same thing to other people before when I've counseled people. You know, not everybody. Not everybody lives in the light. And, and sometimes darkness takes over one in their household. And I've talked to people to where other people have fallen away from Lord but one. And my comment to them is that you must. You must keep a light on in the house. Even if it's one light, the light where you dwell, you must be the light. You must keep the light. And so the tabernacle at the time... Just like when the, when the, uh, um, when the temple was built, it was the same thing. It, it was to have the lamp stand up. It was to be continually lit. It was, it was always to be lit, never to go out. And so, uh, right now, we're, I'm, we're approaching Christmas as I'm recording this. You know, even Hanukkah, the festival of lights, was in regards to why Hanukkah was celebrated. You know, when, when, when the temple in the area of Jerusalem was attacked, you know, that there was, there was, uh, the light was running out, but miraculously God allowed that the oil, whatever oil that was left in the lamp, it, it stuck around for eight days, which was a miraculous thing. So, which is why Hanukkah is celebrated in an eight day period during the Maccabean revolt. And, and so that's why we call Hanukkah the festival of lights. Eight candles, eight lights as a representation. And, and by God's hand, they were able to, uh, it was able to withstand, it was able to, uh, to continue. And so the oil was a very, was a very, uh, uh, precious commodity. And from evening until morning, it was to be lit before the Lord, he said. Is what was what is what was told to Moses. And, and so that light shines towards us, right? As God's people. You know, we are we are to be that light. We are to keep the light spiritually and, and and um metaphorically, if you will, in that aspect, to keep it shining, to keep it lit. So then from the light he jumps into now the care of what was called the tabernacle bread. Something also important, it says in verse 5 to 9, "...and you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial. An offering made by fire to the Lord every Sabbath he shall set in order before the Lord continually." Being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant, it shall be uh, for Aaron and his sons. And he shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So you shall take the fine flour and bake 12 cakes. That sounds more like up our, uh, up our alley, if you will. <laughs> right? We like to do that kind of stuff. But, but again, there was a significant meaning here involved. You know that they, they, they had um, the twelve always represented the, the twelve tribes of Israel, and and so you were to uh, they were to basically uh, use that on a daily basis as a representation. They were they were arranged on an, in an orderly fashion. Uh, they called it the showbread. Okay, equally divided, two rows representing the twelve tri- tribes of Israel, and, and so. Um, this bread, again, was, was also an association with God's presence and, and that of, God, of fellowship with God. Because eating the bread together with somebody was a mark of fellowship. It was a mark of, of unity. And, and so this was also to be set in order before the Lord, it said. The symbol, right? The symbol of, the, of God's relationship. You know, we, hear, we use the term breaking bread, uh, you know, breaking bread with somebody. And so, but breaking bread in these days was, was much more, was much more passionate, if you will, than what we would consider today. Now we just use it as more of a casual gathering. But no, this was very much more of a very serious issue when, when you ate with somebody. Breaking bread with them. And in this case, you're breaking it with God in this aspect. This is why He created it. It it could, because it was to be eaten in the holy place, He said. Right, it wasn't just for display. It wasn't for the sake of ritual only, but it, but it was there for for a deeper meaning, right? So he commands that it be replaced, right, by every Sabbath day. You know, they, they weren't to to be uh, working on the Sabbath. Now, keep in mind here, the Sabbath is technically from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And so that that is technically when the Sabbath was um originally uh yeah, done and celebrated, so you had the showbread now again, as I've always made known, wait what people ask what happens to these things, right? What happens to the meat of the sacrifices? What happens to these things? They go to the priest, right, And so nothing's wasted. But but it, it had to be baked fresh every day. It had to be set there every day in the memorial as the representation. We need picturesque things. We have bad memories, you know, and so I do for sure. And, and sometimes we're to be reminded of things, and sometimes reminded in a um, in a daily aspect. You know, we we do that. We need that, and so that's what God did. Is He set this up for? Um, for the daily aspect. So we had the light. We had the showbread. So God has those aspects covered by Moses. Moses is making known to the priesthood. This is what God wants. You're to keep the lamps filled. We're to have 12, uh, 12 cakes set out every day in the order on the table. Representation of the 12 tribes. But now we get into something a little different here. He starts to bring up the, a case here. There was an Egyptian blasphemer, it looks like. So, God kind of gives the uh, the instruction on what to do with these types. It says in verses 10 to 12, Now, the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the children of Israel, and this Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought each other out in the camp. And the Israelite's woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. and so they, so they brought him to Moses, his mother's name was shilomith the daughter of Debris of the tribe of Dan. And then they put him in custody, that the mind of the Lord might be shown to them. So we had this uh, God's bringing this up for a reason. Now we have this the son of an Israelite woman who's obviously was the, was, uh, whose father was an Egyptian. And they were out in the midst of the children of Israel, it says here. So again, punishment for blasphemy or cursing God is dealt with by extreme measures. And this shows the seriousness of what God expects us to do or how to how to take these things. You know, using the using God's name in vain we shall not do. Or swearing or any of those things. Why? Because you know, a lot of people we do that. A lot of people either do it for two reasons. They do it because they do it in a form of obviously that he either doesn't exist or they know he exists and they're foolishly challenging it. It's a lose-lose, none the way. But it's one of those two things. Okay, and so, you know, we take this. We 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 need to take this seriously. Okay. Nobody likes their name slandered. You know, people have killed other people because they you know they cursed somebody's mother's name, you know, (laughs) or their father's name. And so God takes very seriously his name. And so again, to be careful on how we act, how we speak, treating God with that reverence. Right? See, God always, always has the last word. And so, He's making known the reverence here. You know, this here, the laws were like the form of a, in a sense of like, look, here it is. Too much knowledge brings much, um, you know, responsibility. But even in the conscience of people when they you know when they've blasphemed god they you know they if there's no if there's no conviction then then you're in big trouble now they put this guy in custody that the mind of the Lord might be shown to them right and so we don't know exactly what this guy did or said. But it was, but it was something that angered God, and so God always protects foreigners too. On top of it, and so we we seen that they what they did here first was they they kind of took him in a form of custody. They didn't have prisons uh, in Israel during the ancient days, so they did something with him to where he couldn't go around freely. So, but God kind of unfortunately, you know, gave the. Uh, um, It gave his fate, if you will, to to anybody that does any form of blasphemy. It is unfortunate. Because that's not what God wants. But when people blatantly, when people blatantly blaspheme his name, here's what happens in verse 13 to 14, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take outside the camp him who is cursed. And then let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him. So this is, again, the ancient day form of capital punishment. They would lay their hands on the head. You know, they did that to the scapegoats. The scapegoats were, were first, you, you would place your hands on the head of the scapegoat, transferring, spiritually transferring the sins to the, to the scapegoat, and then another one was, done, uh, was used in the form of the sacrifice. And in this case, they would do the same thing to where they would lay the hands on his head and then, and then the congregation would stone him. Right? Because again, that's how they did things back then. Stones were everywhere. Yeah? It, it was an easy way of, of eliminating somebody in the form of capital punishment. Now keep in mind, if somebody was, uh, was done in by capital punishment, they had to have done something pretty harsh. God it was merciful, and I cannot stand it when people say God, you know, the, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, and the, how the God of the New Testament was so much merciful than the God of the Old. That is far, far from true. You know, they were, they were stoning people in the New Testament for the same thing, okay? But again, it took a lot. It, it was supposed to take a lot. It was supposed to take something big in order for something like this to happen because God was merciful, there, there was ways out, but blasphemy, right? Cursing that of God is 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 the last is the last thing that that you could ever do, because now your now your goose is cooked, as we would like to say in today's day and age. And then he says in verse fifteen to sixteen, for the principle here for Israel to learn. Then you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. And whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. The stranger as well as him who is born in the land he, sh- he uh, when he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death and And so whoever curses his God shall bear his sin right uh, it's It's the way of saying that that the person who who publicly curses God he he takes on the responsibility. Right? It's like a show of like, I'm guilty. But then you have the blaspheming of the name of the Lord. And so, a serious crime. So, you know, we look at God. If he required this foreigner to be executed for this offense. When God normally protects the foreigners. There was something more than meets the eye. Because God knows the inner heart of every single person. Of every mind. See, this foreigner, you know, probably, he knew the goodness of God. He was amongst the people. He was amongst them in the form of, 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 the worship and, and, um, and of all of the things that they do in the name of God. He's seen the goodness of God. So again, you know, we, we take this, we must take this seriously. We must take this seriously and so my gosh you know the jewish people god bless them they, they don't even uh, they don't even write down the name of god because of reverence of his name they don't want to misspell it they will never spell god or, or or yahweh in in the hebrew but if if you even look at like modern day jewish literature they will say god right but they will not normally put an o in 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 the three letters you you'll see a G a dash and a D. You will not see. O. You know, they will not spell out Yahweh. They will not even fill, or they will not even put in God in reverence of His name. And so again, you know they they took it very seriously. They 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 just wouldn't mess with it. They don't even want to touch it. Right and 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 so. If they, they would even destroy the paper and the papyrus that they used if something was even slightly off. <laughs> so, now, God, again, here's how good God is in all things. He even takes care of that in the animal kingdom. Check this out. Whoever kills, in verse 17 and 18, whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, animal for animal. Now that's a that's a small little section I just wanted to get into real quick, okay? Because of God's outlook on human life, God never God never wanted um, anybody to taking by taking the life of another. Because we were created in the image of God, crimes must be punished, and the the punishment fits the crime because God is the is the lawmaker and the judge. But we take a look here because animals are owned by humans in a lot of cases. Now, when an animal was wrongly killed in a, say, in a sense, um, however it was done, if uh, let's use a modern day age, if it got ran over by something uh, or someone, you were to replace. Well, however it was done with money or with another animal, you were to, you were to replace the animal. And so that was that was the the concept that was the whole thing, because again, God wanted to make sure that that no wrong is amongst the people, even if it's in regards to animals now let 's see here verse nineteen to twenty two and I like this the right measure of that of judgment if a, if a man causes disfigurement of his neighbor as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye to eye, tooth to, uh, for tooth, as he has caused disfigurement of a man, so shall it be done to him. And whoever kills an animal shall restore it. But whoever kills a man shall be put to death. You shall have the same law for the stranger and for one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. God doesn't discriminate, you see here. So, again, God is the, measure, the measuring stick. We've heard people say, oh, I believe in an eye for an eye, <laughs> you know, and, and so the the law of God did not mean like taking out the eye of another man, if you will, if if it was gouged, right? It, it, there was to be restitution in one way, shape or form. See, a lot of people get a lot of misunderstandings here in regards to this and the cultural aspects. This is why the word of God must be taught uh and divided rightly because a lot of people take it in the things that they like or they dis- they dismiss things they don't like okay so it just be- if somebody was to lose their eye then then uh then that wasn't that wasn't to be done to the other person my two pastors um they're both brothers and I consider them both my pastors but the one uh they were both kung fu masters still are. Um and they are um they were one day they were putting on a performance and they were doing an exercise with uh wooden staffs if you will. And the younger brother uh blocked the stick and 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 it broke off and it took his eye out and he has to wear he has to wear a glass eye. Now did my pastor have to lose his eye over that? The one, you know, no, he didn't. But back in these days, there there had to have been some sort of restoration involved. You know, it was an accident nonetheless. But you see, that's the, the, the beauty here. God, God and, and our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus in His grace and mercy utilized this because the the amazing thing that I heard from my other pastor, the younger brother with with the one that missed the eye, he said that when he lost his eye, he said he saw things better than he's ever seen before. Not not literally, but but spiritually, he said. Something good came from it. Right? And, And so our human nature takes things too far. Whether whether it's in leniency or, or whether it's through severity, we, we tend to take things too far. God does things perfectly. Right? God righteously condemns. God righteously rewards. He righteously forgives. He righteously gives. He righteously takes. And who are we to say what is right or what is wrong? And, and so... We must thank him. We must praise him. And so we just we want to look at this as as again we we're looking at this stuff of like like what is it that God wants? What is it? What is it that He doesn't want? Right? That that's the neat thing about Leviticus is is that we we could find these things. You know, <laughs> we take these things and and it's kind of like wow, you know we we are just. Uh, we're just so blessed to, to, to have the word of God, you know, but we, we can't take these things on our own accord. A lot of people want to butcher the Ten Commandments, right? Hey, thou shalt not kill, you know, but, and they're add-on to it unless somebody makes us angry. Or I'm sorry, thou shalt not murder. There is a difference. Thou shalt not murder unless somebody makes us angry. Thou, sh- thou shalt not covet our neighbor's wife unless she's absolutely beautiful and I want her. You know thou 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 shalt not worship any other god. Well if, unless he unless he doesn't give me what I want. People will come up with their own rules to add on. Gods are just, God's rules are perfect. And the last verse it's twenty-three says Then Moses spoke to the children of Israel. <laughs> and they took outside the camp him who had cursed and stoned him with stones so the children of israel did as the lord uh, commanded moses we don't know how moses dealt with this you know but obedience had to be had to be uh, practiced because god knew what was what this particular blasphemer could have been doing something or causing complete havoc somewhere right and, and so God's justice is always perfect. There there isn't enough psychologists out there that can fix or even truly evaluate what someone's going to do. But God can. And, and so this is how things had to be done. And they were done the right way because God saw all things and commanded all things to be done. It's the demonstration, you know. His crimes they, they the, his crimes made him unclean, and when you were unclean, you were out, you were out of the camp. I, I've used this. Uh, example on many of occasions you know cuz i've made known that i i like to i like berries i like strawberries and raspberries and blueberries and what's funny is all of those are very healthy for you and very good but even they start to get moldy and, and when you start to see one getting mold it starts to mold the others in the batch so therefore you have to quickly rid of that if you want to save the batch and so the the aspect the um the analogy, if you will was was similar in this we We see the comparison when you keep bad in the midst of things then 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 you're going to attract rottenness and that's what we're seeing nowadays. It's the same thing. Influence is bad fruit. bad influence is bad fruit. Good influence is good fruit. You know, everybody stays healthy. Everybody stays strong. Everybody stays godly in holiness. And when you're in a family, when you're in a group, when you're in a church that is loving and worshiping and praising God in truth, you are in a good batch of fruit. And I tell you, there's no better place. But... In order for, in order for that fruit to be healthy, it has to, it has to abide to its vine. And when it doesn't abide to its vine, it's, it's because it's dead and it's rotten and therefore it falls from the tree. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to abide to the vine of that of Christ Jesus, the Son of God, who died for our sins, for the sins of the world. To give you that opportunity to know him and and, and to know him and to receive him. To receive him as Lord, to receive him as Savior, to receive him as Father. And to receive him as all things. He died for you, he died for me, he gave us a place in eternity. You just have to believe and receive. He wants a relationship with you, he wants a relationship with me. And, And this is how we can do it. Yes, I believe in Him, and I want to receive Him. And that is being offered right now. If you're listening to this message, your life has been a mess. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how you can stop what is happening, but He does. It's only through His power You can only do so much, but it's only going to get you so far. Only he has the power to stop and to prevent and and to prevail. And he prevailed on the cross because he died and came back three days later. And you can go back in in the Gospels and read about it. I recorded the book of Luke. You can hear all about that. I'm going to record more by the will of God if he allows me to do so. Keep me in prayer. But right now, I want to keep you in prayer. And right now, in that prayer, lead you to Him. If you feel led, I want you to repeat this after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess that I am a sinner. Wash me clean of all of my sins. And receive me, Lord, as I receive you in my heart, Lord. I ask of you to come into my heart. To come into my life, Lord. I want you as my Lord. I want you as my Savior. As my Father. As I thank you for dying on the cross for me, Lord. And I thank you for what you continue to do, Lord. For I believe in you and I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a blessing. We're almost done with Leviticus. Uh, Pretty soon we're getting there. And so who knows what's next? It's always a surprise. It's it's whatever God leads. So as he has led you to receive him, well, let's see where he's going to lead you next, what he's going to do in your life. So trust in him and walk with him because you can never go wrong. So let's do that together. Let's do that together as we venture through his word. And may God keep you and bless you. And may he love you, guide you, and mold you. I love you all. May God bless you. Love to hear from you. And if not, Lord willing, we'll see each other in eternity. God bless you.